one. And we are recording with the one and only Dr. Robert Malone on Sunday, June 18th. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 2023 at 6.01 p.m. Eastern time. Happy Father's Day to everybody uh, listening. Shout out to my old man. And um, yes, yeah, so for everybody listening, I was uh, I was visiting my parents and I was just scrolling through Twitter last night. And I was just I saw Rogan kind of tweeting at Peter Hotez. And I, I know the one thing about Joe Rogan is that he doesn't really engage on Twitter. And I was just kind of watching this thing go back and forth. No. And it seemed like it was escalating into this this like exchange of nuclear weapons. And I was like, what is going on? And it just... And I wasn't wrong. Within an hour, I mean, all these posts had millions and millions of views, but it seems like what it boiled down to is Dr. Hotez criticized Joe Rogan in his interview of Bobby Kennedy. And Rogan said, come on my show. Here's some money for a charity of your choosing. He said no. And it's just kept, and I think the pot is up to one and a half million now. And um, because you are an expert in this uh, in this field and I'm, I'm blessed enough to have access to you i figured why not have you on so dr malone please take it away and please educate uh everyone on dr hotez yeah so first um i'm a perfect person to uh have on because i'm of course i'm a deep state operative that uh is Understood. a total apologist for tony yes. fauci and, of course uh, yeah so so let's just get that across um all kidding aside so this is serious stuff as far as i'm concerned and uh, I've written about Peter before. I've known Peter for a very long, well, for years. Uh, Dr. Hotez is, uh, if nothing, the, a uh, vaccine advocate. He was the uh, um, head of the Sabin Vaccine Institute when I first met him years ago, uh, based out of D.C., and uh tommy i need i need verification here a am i breaking up or are you hearing nope. me okay no i'm hearing you just fine okay okay good uh starlink uh you know we're talking about elon musk another time uh so peter peter used to be head of the sabin vaccine institute and he seems to have i i don't know if he was removed or he's dropped that position and he left dc and he is now in Texas and he has a uh, tenured appointment. And I think he's a dean in the School of Tropical Medicine focused on vaccines. So that's a very high status position. My sense has been through this uh, outbreak and before that Peter was being vetted for Anthony Fauci's job, that he was one of the logical successors. And I did have interaction with him early on during the outbreak in the context of uh, seeking a publication venue for some of the work that I was doing together with Daryl Rickey early on, uh, who's at MIT Lincoln Lab, when he was volunteering for my team. 
and we were busy working on drug repurposing. There's, by way of, I guess, conflict of interest, I've twice had publications uh, in journals that Hotez has managed as editor or senior editor. These are the Public Library of Science uh, publications, PLOS. And both of them involved uh, Bola vaccine, I'm sorry, uh, Zika, Zika drug repurposing. And the first was a, a threat assessment for Zika that uh, I did originally write um, on behalf, you know, for the government, but unpaid uh, at a time when the government was having trouble making sense out of the data having to do with Zika and its origins. And I still think that's one of the best papers on Zika and its origins and the challenges of uh, rapidly responding to a pandemic. So an outbreak assessment, threat assessment and response plan. And then a follow-up one uh, published with Michael Callahan, the notorious Michael Callahan, included uh, quite a bit of data about uh, Zika and Zika therapeutic options and drug repurposing. So uh, in both of those, Hotez facilitated those uh, by serving as editor. That did not mean that I got an easy path. They were rigorously peer-reviewed and it took a long time to get them published. So I've known him for quite a while. Uh, he, during this outbreak in my interactions with him uh, together with Daryl Rickey, Peter was um, extremely uh, subservient and uh, kind of almost constantly genuflecting to Anthony Fauci. And that led me to conclude that there was something going on in terms of Peter's uh, being positioned uh, in, at the NIAD at, at some point in time. So uh, after that, and, and he warned me that, uh, uh, that Fauci would not be uh, supportive of our efforts in drug repurposing. And in fact, that turns out to have been the case. Uh, um, then over time, uh, Myself and others, including the Midwestern Doctor, which is a pseudonym uh, in, uh, of a person that's highly respected by both my, myself and Pierre Corey, have observed that uh, Peter seems to have really gone over the edge. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to choose my words carefully because I don't want a defamation suit. Uh, he he um he had he became such a over-the-top advocate for the uh, mRNA vaccine agenda, including uh, strong advocacy for censoring, uh, deplatforming, retaliating uh, against both those that were speaking what he deemed to be misinformation uh, regarding the vaccine, all of which has proved to be true. Uh, and uh, as well as those uh, who did not accept the vaccine, who did not go along with the mandates, he was very derisive of them. Uh, he was active as, as uh, Bobby Kennedy uh, spoke about in detail in his uh, very lengthy Joe Rogan interview recently, uh, where, where um, he lays out Peter's history during the COVID crisis, 
uh, his his early advocacy, and then the Midwestern doctor uh, in a and he had written an essay that he asked me to publish about Peter Hotez, which came out before the Bobby Kennedy interview, and then he's recently updated it with additional information uh, that was shared with him by others, which includes. Uh, the fact that Peter was was involved in the gain of function research, going back to Obama's uh, determination that uh, that should not be done. I'm talking about the gain of function research specifically with the coronavirus. So Peter was absolutely involved in the gain of function research that we usually think of as centered around North Carolina. Uh, and uh, Peter was uh, clearly actively involved in trying to suppress any questions about that gain-of-function research in promoting the alternative storylines that now appear to be a propaganda campaign that may have been mounted by the intelligence community to deflect uh, attention from the uh, uh, apparent uh, role of EcoHealth Alliance, Ralph Barrick, and Peter Hotez, and others in engineering a biowarfare pathogen that uh, ended up uh, intentionally or unintentionally uh, released in Wuhan, whether it escaped from the lab or, or it was seeded, I have, there's no way to know. So Peter's fingerprints are all over this. And then of course he developed a vaccine uh, which was uh, pushed through uh, Indian channels, including the Serum Institute through a partnership, which is a more traditional uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccine that was deployed, I believe, in India and was fast-tracked. Peter does have a deep, uh, long-standing relationship with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, including uh, large sums of money uh, of funding for uh, Mr. Ho Dr. Hotez's work. Uh, so Dr. Hotez then, during this outbreak, launched the initiative and um, then published a paper attempting to link those that were speaking, uh, let's say, in opposition to the approved narrative, uh, in his words, misinformation spreaders or anti-vaxxers. Uh, those are clearly weaponized pejoratives but that's his language. I would say uh, he was speaking out against those that uh, were uh, speaking an alternative narrative to the one that he was uh, uh, advancing in CNN and many press uh, interviews uh, throughout the COVID crisis. And he wrote a paper and then did a uh, quite a bit of advocacy and now has written a book in which, among other things, he's asserting that uh, those that are uh, anti-vaxxers or vaccine misinformation spreaders or whatever are anti-Semitic. Uh, and now he seems in this recent volley of exchanges, I haven't read them all, but he seems to be equating uh, those that are uh, uh, speaking uh, uh, differently from his uh, point of view on these COVID vaccines. He seems to be calling them uh, fascists or uh, other uh, um, pejoratives uh, having to do with and uh, characterizing them as of the right wing, which uh, I I object to. Uh, and um, so there's there's the background on Peter Hotez. He's a he's a odd 
a smaller man, always been very energetic, uh, very uh, quick uh, to uh, accuse others of things, and uh, very, very intentionally politically active and actively seeking to raise his own profile in contrast to my position, which is I, I've been speaking out because I felt it was a necessity, not because I wished to become the next CNN star. Uh, so, or a director of NIAD, I've expressly said I have no political intention. So then, um, then we come to this situation of his, uh, I think in retrospect, unfortunate for him interview with Joe Rogan, uh, in which uh, he was again um, trying to advance the logic that uh, the approved narr narrative was the correct one and that anybody that was saying anything otherwise was uh, in some way deficient, a uh, misinformation spreader. And Joe uh, confronted him on his own uh, management of himself. He's He's not... He's, he's somewhat obese, uh, not particularly healthy, doesn't do exercise. Um, and Joe confronted him on that and was shocked that Peter doesn't take vitamin D, doesn't take any vitamins or supplements. He doesn't particularly get exercise. He doesn't watch his diet. And yet this was uh, the person who is uh, um, taking liberties in uh, castigating others uh, for the information they were sharing about these things, and uh, also um, uh, kind of lecturing the whole world on how they sh that they should be taking this experimental product. Then we come to Bobby Kennedy's interview, uh, which is fairly recently, uh, five days ago or something like that. And I didn't listen to it on until you had asked me to speak tonight. And so I listened to it on the way back from visiting my son and daughter-in-law and grandchildren for Father's Day. We actually left there early so we could uh, um, do this hit with you because it does seem to be an issue that's boiling um, right now. And, the grandkids and are always going to resent me now. I can put a... Yeah, the, no, the grandkids they, are going to grow up being like, I remember and, that and, Father's uh, Day. Um, and I want to put some cold water on that and uh, put a lid on it. So I listened carefully to Bobby's interview with Joe. And although Bobby does have a tendency, he's, he admits at the outset that he's an attorney, he's not a scientist, that he's been engaged in many legal cases. Um, he said virtually all legal cases that he's been involved with have involved science. And uh, I completely concur with him that when you're going to be um, a lead attorney in one of these legal cases involving scientific issues, you have to go to school in a serious way on that science and do everything you can to master it because your opponent, who's at least as smart and as agile and as aggressive as you are, generally speaking, um, is going to do that. And so you have to be ready to counter him. It's, it's really maybe one of the only open battlefields for ideas left in America is uh, these legal uh, engagements uh, with pros prosecuting and defense attorneys. Uh, so Bobby's point is that he's familiar with science. He has to read science. He's been doing it for years. He has skills in evaluating uh, scientific papers, but he's not a scientist. 
And that comes out during the interview. Uh, and frankly, the interview goes on so long that towards the end of it, Bobby starts making some mistakes. Uh, he overstates some things and he comes out of the box initially with a bit more hyperbole than I'm prone to, let's say. He, 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 he puts on his, his lawyer jacket and, uh, and he starts uh, throwing truth bombs surrounded by uh, um, cluster bombs on top of that. And, and probably just if he could have just shot the truth bomb, that would have been enough. But uh, so he, he does come out of the box uh, slugging. I guess that's the right metaphor when we're yeah. talking about or kicking with Joe Rogan. Um, and uh, but then he kind of tones down a little bit, gets gets more serious. I listened carefully. There was some nuanced things on the fringes that I thought Bobby misspoke about. And he, and he absolutely he made one little casual comment about uh, um, wireless uh, um, and 5G. And Rogan jumped on it and pulled on it. And Bobby got off the reservation a little bit there. And I think he regrets that. And in the end, he kind of backed off. Um, and then uh, towards the end, when uh, they were talking about the ivermectin story, uh, Bobby conflated some of the clinical trials that had done, happened with uh, hydroxychloroquine, where they, when he started talking about um, trials designed to fail, uh, he conflated ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine trials, and he talked about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine trials in which they had over, administered toxic doses and that Bill Gates knew that, and that was just false, and he kind of backed off. He never really acknowledged that he'd screwed up when he said ivermectin is part of that, but he backed off uh, and, and just focused on hydroxychloroquine, and what he was saying about hydroxychloroquine was absolutely true. Uh, the way the ivermectin trials were designed to fail is that the initiation of dosage was basically almost universally too little too late in the officially sponsored trials. And so ivermectin to be useful, generally speaking, in preventing hospitalization and death needs to be administered early on, not after somebody is already in the hospital with uh, multi-organ disease uh, and severe respiratory compromise. This, you know, physicians are well aware that um, with many interventions, there's a threshold. Uh, you want to get them early, you want to get them treated, uh, you want to prevent them from going critical, but once they go into a kind of an ICU critical care environment, that triggers a whole bunch of stuff. And as soon as you drop a tube down, uh, that that's a whole different kettle of fish. Uh, and so a lot of the ivermectin trials that are cited by the likes of Vice, and let's touch on that for a moment, um, uh, their, the Vice attack article after that Rogan interview was a classic hit job. And if you read it, it is just loaded with uh, um, pejoratives and over-the-top statements about Bobby. And it's it's clearly a biased hit piece uh, from Vice. As I recall, Vice was on the block the other day and it, it may have been sold, uh, correct me, uh, um, I think it was sold to uh, how can I be blank on his name? George Soros, or oh, one of the entities associated with him. That's good. So Vice is absolutely not, yeah, it's absolutely not a centrist publication. We'll just leave it at that. 
Um, and, it, and that Vice article was clearly a hit job on Bobby and made a bunch of statements that are just categorically false uh, and, and defamatory, intentionally defamatory in the way that the press has been trained to be defamatory up to the fine line where you can't actually be sued, um, <clears throat> but just staying just on the other side of that so that everybody gets this messaging that this is a bad person and you shouldn't listen to them and they're they're kook and a nut and all that, which is where Joe started off with the interview is, is uh, sharing with Bobby uh, Joe's own preconceived notions about Bobby Kennedy and then telling the story about how they met in, I forget where it was, Steamboat or Aspen or some, some ski shop. Um, and and it was uh, like bro love immediately. Yeah. I was a little embarrassed by the the uh, story he told. <laughs> oh, whoa, is that Bobby Kennedy? <laughs> I mean, but even um, that is so at least it's that. an example of honesty. But, yeah, yeah, true enough. Um, so uh, what's my assessment of this dust up with Peter? Okay, now now I'm gonna. Um, in my opinion, Dr. Hotez is behaving in a very immature fashion. And uh, he has uh, repeatedly displayed what I believe are immature, highly defensive behaviors. And I cite uh, the Midwestern doctor who has enormous insights into uh, psychiatry and psychology and uh, um is able to somehow see into people's inner uh, world. And uh, what he sees in, in Peter Hotez is fairly dark. I, I agree. Uh, Dr. Hotez, for whatever reason, um, has, in my opinion, uh, lost his moorings a bit uh, during the last three years. The calls for uh, lockdowns and extreme measures and the other things that he said uh, for people who are unvaccinated, the things that he said about equating anti-vaxxers with anti-Semites and now with uh, right-wing neo-Nazi types is is just over, over the top. And it it absolutely transgresses science. If I was to say which of these two, Bobby Kennedy or Peter Hotez, is behaving more like a scientist with integrity, I would have to say it's Bobby Kennedy. He, Peter Hotez's comments and his actions, and frankly, those of many of the traditional uh, vaccine supporter crowd uh, that have uh, jumped into this fray, uh, have been um, uh, full of ad hominems, uh, mischaracterizations, uh, lack of respect, a lack of commitment to open dialogue. And uh, I'm reminded of the statement I, that I think is attributed to Mark Twain. Uh, the first refuge of a scoundrel is uh, um, uh, and I'm, I'm blanking on the last part of it. The first refuge of a scoundrel is basically ad hominems. And uh, what happened here was another case of where Bobby Kennedy uh, went to the data repeatedly. Whether or not he got it right in all aspects, he didn't in all aspects, but in the major ones, he did. Uh, he cited things appropriately. 
Uh, he he spoke about Paul Offit, and I have to say my opinion about Paul Offit is biased by his rather snotty interview that he gave about me uh, early in the outbreak. Uh, and um, my interactions with him over time, he has always been arrogant. You know, his role, he's always attributed by the press as being the inventor of this RSV vaccine that got sold to Burke, and he made $132 million on it. I'm sure some of that went to UPenn. And he's a full professor of vaccinology at um, uh, uh, Children's uh, Hospital in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, um, he... Uh, he is arrogant. Uh, he and and but even uh, Offit, as you'll recall, as this progressed, as the FDA and the CDC got deeper and deeper into deep and deeper into their denialism of the data and their advocacy for fast tracking these products and uh, moving them down into the youngest of children. That even crossed the line for Mr. Offit, and he started backing off on a lot of his positions. But he's come out again in attacking uh, Mr. Kennedy. Uh, and I don't see that as um, helpful. If, if, uh, if the vaccine community wishes to avoid uh, the tsunami that I think is about to hit him and is hitting him already, they're just getting the first few waves uh, of, of disgust and public mistrust over what's happened with the COVID crisis. And if, if they want to sincerely address the points that Mr. Kennedy is making, which I believe have significant merit, uh, and I uh, the, the point that there are no true placebo-controlled trials for almost all of the vaccines in the pediatric schedule is true. It is demonstrably true. And I recommend to your audience the book, Turtles All the Way Down, uh, which I've written the introductory chapter for the new French version, just to, again, disclose my own potential conflicts of interest, for which I received zero dollars and zero cents. Um, and uh, no royalties, just to be clear on that. But uh, I did write the introductory chapter. I did read the book. I find it uh, um, naive in some places as a vaccinologist, a seasoned vaccinologist, but fundamentally accurate and true, much like Bobby Kennedy's positions. Um, and uh, Bobby makes the point that none of these pediatric vaccines that are currently on the market, they've either been grandfathered in, which is the case with many of them, from a time when rigorous clinical trials with placebo controls were not done. Uh, and uh, um, or or they have been uh, advanced clinically in an environment in which there was a decision made that I used to always accept. So mea culpa. I used to accept the logic that uh, the bioethics of vaccine testing in children in particular was such that um, you couldn't give them a true placebo control uh, for an infectious disease that was circulating at the time uh, when you were advancing an improved vaccine or a current vaccine, uh, because you would be um, withholding uh, 
a treatment or an option in the face of an infectious disease risk. Now, I'm convinced that that logic is flawed. I've now reversed my position on that. But back then, I just accepted it. It was taught to all of us, this is the way things are. This is what you have to do. These are the rules. Don't question them. Just do it. Okay, but um, the truth is that Bobby is accurate that uh, there have not been uh, well-controlled, placebo-controlled, long-term trials on virtually all of these modern pediatric vaccines. He is also accurate that uh, Wyeth, subsequently purchased by Pfizer, basically steamrolled the Reagan administration and Ronald Reagan himself to get, and as Bobby acknowledges, I was glad to hear him say it, that his uncle Teddy was very much involved in that process of granting indemnification to uh, the vaccine manufacturers. Where they basic, Wyeth basically held a gun to Reagan's head and said, we're losing so much money on vaccines that we're gonna get out of it. And the reason we're losing it is because of all the liability for the downstream adverse events, to which Reagan said, can't you just make better vaccines? And they said, no, vaccines are intrinsically dangerous. Uh, and that's apparently in the congressional record. Vaccines are intrinsically dangerous. And the logic of why they're dangerous is because of the need to use adjuvants, which are highly inflammatory molecules that are co-administered. Now, Bobby gets sucked in the discussion. He gets sucked down all of the different pathways having to do with alum as well as mercury and methylmercury versus ethylmercury. And Slate, uh, or I'm sorry, Vice just uh, glosses that over and says they're different, ethylmercury and methylmercury. If there's any chemists in the audience, the counter ion does not change the <laughs> primary. And uh, um, ethylmercury, it turns out, is more easily distributed across the blood-brain barrier than methylmercury. Ethylmercury is what was used in the vaccines. Methylmercury is what is found from a coal burning a residue that ends up in the waterways that has contaminated all our fish. So our fish are contaminated with methylmercury, which apparently clears quite rapidly from the body um, and uh, within weeks. But ethylmercury also clears from the bloodstream quickly after administration. But there was a series of non-human primate studies done by a, a skilled researcher in Washington state that showed that what happened with the ethylmercury is that it moves from the blood into the brain. Uh, a two carbon side chain versus a one carbon side chain is the difference between methyl and ethyl uh, is more hydrophilic. And the brain is a very hydro, I'm sorry, more hydrophobic, um, more oil-like. And the brain is a very hydrophobic environment because of all the lipids uh, and so it turns out that the ethyl mercury more rapidly distributes into the brain and it, part, it partitions out of the blood, which is why it's cleared from the blood so quickly. And they thought that was a good thing. And then until they finally did the studies and then they found that it was a bad thing that it was actually going into the brain of these young children and monkeys and whoever. Uh, so, um, and Bobby uh, appropriately concedes that under pressure from public largely, most of the mercury-based uh, adjuvant formulations have been pulled, but they've been substituted for alum. By, as he was going through his discussion about 
the uh, adjuvant story and autism in children, which of course becomes a major focus of the whole discussion with Joe Rogan. Uh, and Joe Rogan is apparently unaware prior to this conversation about a lot of the data about the increased incidence of autism in the United States and throughout the world, Western world, over time, and that autism was virtually unknown when I was a young child. Bobby makes the case, how many 65-year-old autistics with football helmets banging their head um, and uh, incontinent have you seen? And the answer is they pretty much don't exist. Um, and they, the incidence of this kind of autism really took off, coincidentally or not, right after there was this huge surge of new vaccines developed after Reagan dropped or, or provided the indemnification, dropped the liability for the vaccine manufacturers, which caused a gold rush. They all wanted to sell vaccines because what's not to like? The government buys it from you, the government markets it for you, uh, and the government provides you complete indemnification in case there's anything goes wrong with the product. It's a perfect, uh, perfect product scenario if you're in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, so that happens to coincide with when autism really kicks up, but so does a number of other things like the use of widespread use of glyphosate, otherwise known as Roundup. And, and I previously put out a substack in which it's clear that Roundup is associated with various brain abnormalities in children and developing children and is present in pregnant women, et cetera. Uh, so that we can't say, as Bobby correctly acknowledges, we can't say for sure that vaccines cause autism or that the adjuvants cause autism, uh, which is uh, the Andy Wakefield uh, huge controversy about um, whether he got it right or wrong back then in his research about the role of uh, ethylmercury and autism in vaccines. What Bobby doesn't mention is that one of the things that's happened, that's a, a kind of a growing, uh, let's say awareness, not consensus, uh, a, a growing uh, subject of discussion is that um, the concurrent administration of many vaccines uh, simultaneously in the very young child seems to be a key trigger. And it seems that some subset of children are particularly susceptible to that. Vaccines absolutely induce inflammation, uh, and which is redness, swelling, heat, pain, uh, inflammation. And uh, it seems there, there are data suggesting that this simultaneous administration of all these vaccines in the young child, as opposed to spacing them out, um, and now there's so many more than when I was a young man or even when you were a, a child, um, that uh, this in some susceptible children can uh, elicit uh, swelling of the brain, edema. Uh, and it seems to often be in two-year-olds. And uh, that's probably important because up until, you know, the, the newborn child, anybody that's had a kid knows they got a soft spot up here and their brains, their, their brain case is pretty flexible. So they can expand and contract and all that. 
Um, and then as you head towards two, things kind of start solidifying a little bit. And uh, so it, it, one of the working models that Bobby didn't cover is that all of these co-administrations um, are inducing a, a cerebral edema or swelling of the brain. And that that is causing damage in these uh, young children that are just starting these developmental milestones of language and, and walking and things like that. I was just with a two and a half year old. Um, she was just a jabberwock, just going on like this and walking upstairs and everything. And, and that's, you know, parents, mothers can see uh, my child was starting to talk. Uh, they had these growing language skills. I was interacting with them. They had good motor skills. And then I went into the pediatrician. He gave them all these jabs. And within two weeks, suddenly there was this huge setback and the child wouldn't look me in the eye and, and had these stereotypic behaviors and no longer had these growing speech functions and no longer had the agility that they had had, the motor coordination. And mother, mothers notice these things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't believe, I, I was struck visiting our, our, uh, our children and grandchildren, how much work it is I had forgotten how much work it is to have two young children. It is you're living with them 24/7 and vice versa. So uh mothers notice these things. So Bobby didn't mention this and he didn't mention uh the truth that uh Peter conveniently forgets to also note which is that even to the extent that these pediatric vaccines have been tested. They've typically been tested in isolation. They haven't been tested um, as part of a, a multi-jab intervention all at the same time. So in other words, the interactions between the different drugs, drug-drug interactions or vaccine-vaccine interactions have not been assessed rigorously. Not just the vaccines haven't been assessed, but the fact that you're administering so many at the same time has never been assessed. So then, then we have uh, the, this, uh, you know, while I'm away on Father's Day and you are also, um, then apparently uh, there's a feeding frenzy on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad I was ignorant of it. Uh, um, it, it was. And uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us about, again, about what happened? Yeah. So for everyone listening and, um, I love how I have Dr. Malone for all of the science. And then I just come in as the Neanderthal to tell everyone about Twitter drama. But like it, it was it was just that it was just I mean, I, I saw that, you know, Dr. Hotez had and I and I just don't like him because he wears a bow tie, which is superficial, but it's why I don't. And he tweeted basically. They're not doing anything to stop the spread of misinformation. And as somebody that's been banned from iTunes and, and uh, YouTube for those comments you know i was just in my, my gut reaction screw this guy and rogan had just retweeted very i thought cordially you know why don't you come on here and debate mr kennedy and i'll throw a hundred thousand dollars to the charity of your choice seemed pretty all right i thought he was going to take it and he said joe you have my cell you have my blah 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 and rogan kind of said that's not no there's a reason why i'm asking you publicly like will you come on and debate mr kennedy and Dr. Hotez, this is my takeaway as someone who I think like most people didn't know him before yesterday. He's saying, I won't do this. And then in this in the same breath, he's telling you how dangerous misinformation and disinformation and malinformation is 
and how we've lost, you know, 200 trillion Americans to COVID. And it's just it doesn't jive. You're saying it's so dangerous. And then you're saying, I won't go on the biggest platform on the planet. And it's going back and forth. And he's he's then saying, Joe, I want to be you know, I want this to be a good relationship. I think we can work together. And then he's also saying, like, you're a neo-fascist. And everyone's coming to him and saying, the science is settled. You do not need to debate these Neanderthals. Okay. But then he will keep shoehorning in there, and so many Americans have died. He's claiming one-fifth of all COVID deaths in the United States were from vaccine misinformation. So to face value, this just seems like somebody's drunk at a bar, and they said, you want to go outside? And the other guy said, yeah. And now you're going, well, I don't want to go outside. It's on you. It's on you. The burden's on you. And it's kind of accelerating. And he's just he's just hiding to where it doesn't seem like you have any confidence in your argument. If you're not willing to go, go on to a show he's already been on, by the way. It's not like he's got cold feet. He's done it a couple times. He just won't do it. And so... People are piling on to the yeah. The it seems pot. it seems duplicitous, right? Yeah. It seems it seems uh, he's not acting with integrity. Um, and then there's this other thing of all of his usual uh, colleagues are piling on supporting him. Yeah. And it it seems once again, and this is consistent with what I'm what I think I'm seeing. There seems there in my opinion, there's a surge in uh, troll and bot activity uh, trying to shut down discussion about what really happened during the COVID crisis and the role of the government. And this seems to be part of that doubling down. Uh, we need, rather than an open discussion of what happened, we need more censorship. And the as repeated assertions, for instance, there was a paper the other day that uh, acknowledged that um, the people who are highly inoculated are more likely to develop COVID and be hospitalized. And, uh, and the, it was in a higher profile journal, I forget which one, but it leads off with the caveat, um, the benefits to public health of the COVID mRNA vaccines, I'm paraphrasing, are 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 clear. However, the we have these data now, and I'm left going. What is the justification for using these vaccines? I'm I'm completely missing it. And I'm a vaccinologist. You can talk to me. Um, show me the data. What are the actual benefits associated with this vaccine? Because I see none. It doesn't provide protection against infection. It doesn't provide protection against replication. It doesn't provide protection against spread. And now we even have the CDC acknowledging that it doesn't provide protection against uh, disease and death and hospitalization. It actually makes it more likely, which is something that Bobby Kennedy, he actually, I think he got the timeline wrong. He says that at seven months, you're more, you have negative effectiveness, but I think it's more like three to four months. Um, so that was another one of the small things on the fringes, but you know, he's not, he's a lawyer, he's not a scientist, but uh, there, there, the, 
this, a lot of this was prefaced, I think to put it into context, there was an ACIP meeting uh, just recently in which uh, there were, and it was covered well by Zach Steiber at the Epic Times. And he asked me for some quotes about it and he sent me the slide deck from it. I've kind of given up on the ACP, ACIP. I mean, watching that is, is you might as well shoot yourself. Um, <laughs> but uh, but they, they, they um, acknowledged that the data had come in that uh, the highly vaccinated were more likely to be hospitalized than the unvaccinated. And uh, yet they did not come to terms with the meaning of that. Um, they did not acknowledge the uh, uh, class switching and the immune imprinting and what was the mechanism driving this. Um, and uh, their response was, well, we just need a better vaccine. We need to jab people with another variant, uh, better vaccine that's more closely matched. And I I'm left scratching my head going, where, what has happened to science here? They, they completely deny, and this is, you know, the whole cast of characters that are now marching out to defend Peter Hotez. Uh, that, that I, so I think that those, those folks may be particularly sensitized right now because the data have caught up with them. They've, they've had this series of limited hangouts, you'll recall, and there's a great video clip that the Midwestern doctor included in his uh, um, substack that I first published and then he's republished with modifications of, of Dr. Hotez literally spreading misinformation again and again and again. And I would argue it was disinformation in that it had an intended political purpose. Yeah, It wasn't just that he got things wrong. It was that he got things wrong intentionally for a political objective. So that's disinformation. Uh, just to be technically accurate, and uh, that it is verifiable. It's documented. You can see the video clip yourself. You can make your own decisions about this gentleman and his, uh, you know, endowed professor chair uh, at Baylor, and whether he really deserves it, and whether he is an objective scientist, or whether he's just become another political shill. And, and from where I stand, unfortunately, Mr. Hotez has devolved into emotional uh, tit-for-tat reactions that are very immature, really um, do not serve him well, do not serve his position well. Uh, he, he just comes across as childish and in uh, reactive and defensive and uh then then you know now we have elon musk has jumped into this twitter storm uh and of course steve kirsch not 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 one to ever be left behind from a controversy <laughs> has upped the ante as you said it's it's uh it, the, the kitty is growing rapidly so i i have authorization from my wife to make a, a modest uh, proposal that I moderate this, I could do it for just ten percent. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it for nothing, man. I I'll have <laughs> I'll just have him on my show. I'll just have him on my show. You don't like? I mean, I think I have the perfect yeah. excuse. You don't like Rogan? His show's too big. Come on my show, and you can really, you know, prove yourself. Yeah. Tell tell me why I'm wrong. Convince me why I'm wrong. But he won't, man. He won't even do that. 
to me that just says yeah and but he keeps he's but then this is and and i've I've, and, and i'm kind of like growing to like hate this person i don't hate him but he's he's saying like i'm being attacked they're ganging up on me i've never had anything but glowing things to say about joe and then he'll retweet nine straight things that's like Joe Rogan is mentally challenged and like is a conspiracy theorist flat earther who doesn't deserve Dr. Hotez's time. And he'll retweet it and say like, thank you. And then he'll go on again and be like, Joe, I don't know why there's friction between us. And it it's almost cold war proxy war stuff. It's, it's funding. It's funding the Mujahideen and then going to Moscow yeah. and saying, why it is it actually it is, blood? it is. It is. It is proxy war. That is exactly right. Hotez is a proxy for the vaccine industry. He is a, sh- I'll, I'll say it. Hotez yeah. has become a shill. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, he he is not uh, advanced. What's, what's wonderful here is with this little dust up, it's been done on the world stage. The whole world is seeing Mr. Hotez acting like uh, the five-year-old that I was just visiting um, on a, you know, when he's, when he's tired and needs a nap. Uh, And um, it's, it's, it's a shame to see. I feel sorry in a way uh, um, that Mr. That Dr. Hotez has, has fallen so far that, that he's engaging in this kind of uh, really juvenile, purulent tit for tat, um, with ad hominems, but it it is it literally as I tried to, I misquoted perhaps or certainly stumbled in the quote before um, that uh, ad hominems are the first refuge of of uh, scoundrels, and he is behaving like a scoundrel here uh, in in the way he's approaching this, and so are so many of the others that are coming in to support him that are kind of the traditional vaccine cabal. And I think what this is revealing to the public is that Bobby Kennedy is actually the grown-up here. And that the comments that he's been trying to make, that, you know, I'm just, Bobby's position has been, I'm just trying to get the truth. Show me the data. Uh, Show me the data. And let's talk about it. Show me the data that these truly are safe and effective in our children and have nothing to do with this surge in autism. I think that's the way that the challenge should be stated is not to state vaccines cause autism because you can't prove vaccines cause autism. And it's the same challenge as proving that cigarettes cause cancer. All you have is correlation at the individual level. Uh, But you can look in aggregate at these big epidemiologic trends, but there are other confounding factors. But when you're talking about our children, the burden of proof should be on proving that they don't cause childhood disease, that they don't cause child neurologic defects, that they don't damage children's immune systems and adults' immune systems, which we have now seen is absolutely the case with the mRNA SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. And uh, the burden of proof should be on the industry to show safety and efficacy. But since Reagan's uh, um, uh, concessions to Wyeth, 
uh, they no longer have to do that. And instead, they're able to use their full on their full portfolio of fifth generation warfare, psyops technologies, together with the government reinforcing it, to try to um, convince and manipulate all of our psyches to believe their approved narrative. And that's what's been happening full on, and it's still happening. And what you're looking at is the the surrogate lieutenants um, now uh, starting to face uh, the heat uh, from uh, what they've been saying. They're starting to be held accountable. The public is starting to listen and uh, they don't like it very much. And so they're coming out with these uh, tactics that are like the bottom of the barrel tactics when you're in a debate using ad homonyms, calling other people names, nah, 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 you know, and, and uh, um, oh, you're a dirty, rotten anti-vaxxer. Uh, you're a dirty, rotten anti-Semite because anti-vaxxer isn't bad enough anymore. Yeah. You're a dirty, rotten neo-Nazi. Well, I, I'm sorry, that has nothing to do. Whether he is or is not a <laughs> neo-Nazi is completely irrelevant to the question of whether or not vaccines are associated with damage to children. And and you can tell that I'm not a lawyer because a, a, a smart person wouldn't do this, but <clears throat> I will say it. Weren't the Nazis pretty up on like vaccines and stuff? I mean, if we're really going to go out on that limb, like calling me a Nazi doesn't serve your I mean, that's not a brilliant move and I wouldn't win any court cases. But I mean, if we really want to draw some distinctions, the Nazis and the Imperial Japanese were very but, up but on biological matter. research. I know, because I know. It's yeah, uh, well, absolutely right. That was that was uh, paper very, clip and all that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Blow, so, uh, yeah, they were good. It's <laughs> a bad clip. The Nazis were good. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. So, so, clip. um, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. That's yeah. that's that's not that's that's not how these kind of arguments work. If you want to see how they work, look at look at Vice News. Um, you you say you throw mud at somebody again and again and again you use these various pejoratives and gaslighting and uh, the public looks at that and they say oh well look this is a serious press publication and this person must be uh you know stark raving mad um and uh should be isolated from society and shunned now i want to but but i want to give a, a caveat to all this tommy um, I do not endorse Bobby Kennedy. I have not endorsed anybody for president. And I am not involved in Bobby Kennedy's campaign. I know uh, very well three people, each of whom have super PACs that they've set up for Bobby's campaign. But, uh, but leadership in the central campaign has decided they don't want me involved in any way because I'm suing the Bregans. And so I stay out of this. I'm My comments here are purely observations sure. from a neutral stance. I have no dogs in this fight. Um, I consider Bobby a friend, um, but uh, I, am, I am in no way a surrogate or advocate for his campaign right now. Sure. Yeah, no, and that that that's fair, and I've obviously I've I've never I've never met him, um, and obviously I'm not in his his campaign either. But but back to to Doctor Hotez, and it's 
this is where I think is maybe the most rational argument. All right. I get weird emails all the time from about the flat earth and uh, really about how the lizards run it all. And, you know, I kind of say thank you and and no, but this is not that this isn't something that is just somebody off their meds screaming at the sky. This is something that is being discussed, but it's also Dr. Hotez is this isn't some fringe thing, man. We're coming out of a pandemic where there was this unprecedented thing where you could be fired. You could be he is he is a full he's a full professor endowed chair. Yep. And, and but involved in this vaccine rollout Absolutely. where you couldn't see your parents if they're dying in a hospital. You couldn't go to a, a sports stadium. You couldn't travel. So this isn't some fringe idea about you know, is Santa white or black? And it's like, no, man, this is this thing that quite literally touched the lives of every American in every facet of their lives. And you were at the helm of it and you were pushing it. You can't just say, well, this is a topic that, you know, doesn't deserve discussion. No, it absolutely up there with clean air and clean water. Man, this is this is this isn't something you can just brush under the rug and go, who really built the pyramids? It's like, no, man, this is this has touched everyone. This has touched everyone's lives. I, I've gotten banned from multiple platforms for it. So if you're going to go out and then say this presidential candidate on the world's biggest platform is spreading misinformation and it's disgusting, and then you get challenged, you can't scurry away into the shadows and go, I'm being picked on. Like, no, dude, this is this is massive. This is up there with a, with a draft for a war. You're, this touches everyone. You can't just... Joe's picking on me. No, he's not. So that's my, you know, not not. I guess I'll never meet Doctor Hotes now, but you know. Yeah. I I, well, in a way, we're both saying the same thing. It's immature, uh, childish behavior is what we're observing. Yeah. Uh, from somebody who has been revealed to have had very poor judgment, I think that's no one is going uh, that will withstand any court scrutiny. Um, Mr. Hotez's statements have shown very poor judgment as a public health official, and uh, through the COVID crisis, have come across as um, sycophantic, egregiously uh, um, uh, supportive of uh, the vaccine industry and uh, the pro-vaccine agenda at the um, expense of well-established bioethical norms that go back to World War II um, and the trials. And uh, he, he has said a number of things that are, um, I, I would be so embarrassed to have that as part of my record for my career. It's just what he's said and done is over the top. If if I was, you know, if if Peter McCullough's uh, advocacy of early treatment at Baylor was justification for what was what he was subjected to uh, in terms of legal actions from Baylor against him and losing his position and being kicked out of his practice. What should be the consequences to Peter Hotez of what has clearly been misbehavior, grandstanding, um, gaslighting, uh, ethical breaches, um, uh, self-promotion, egregious self-promotion? I mean, I, I don't, 
I, I can't see how, if I was dean of Baylor School of Medicine, I wouldn't be squirming right now about what to do about Mr. Hotez. Uh, and um, I, I don't think that this person uh, has, has demonstrated the wisdom and, uh, and balance and perspective to merit his having a significant role in the public health dialogue in the United States going forward. I just don't see how Peter Hotez adds anything um, except, uh, um, you know, basically marketing and psyops on behalf of the pharmaceutical industry and the vaccine manufacturers. You know, he is not a scientist. He is not behaving as a scientist. He's not behaving as a physician. No. Um, and we're, well, I guess we'll, we'll maybe bring it to a close with this as I, I can keep talking. I just don't, I don't want to keep you right exactly an hour, but I watched yesterday for the first time from beginning to end my cousin Vinny and man, the real takeaway I got from that is if, if, if you are defending the truth, it would, no matter how unlikely it will rational people. We'll hear it out and you can start to put the puzzle pieces together and show people and they can start no matter how silly it is, no matter how goofy the people defending it are. But if you start to look at it, you go, oh, that's yeah, that's what happened. That's all I can get to is like. The truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. And if you're not willing to go out and defend it, then to me, that just says deep down, you know, you have a bad argument and you know that it's that it's full of shit. And that's really all I can take away from this is just take the debate, man. Just go walk out on the, just go do it. Why wouldn't you? That's my two yeah. cents. The reason is because it would destroy his career. Well, and because he's, he yeah. knows it's, it's all a lie. So, and he's making uh, a lot of money off of it. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it would destroy him. I, th I think that, uh, Mr. Hotez confronting Bobby Kennedy on Rogan would be the end of Mr. Hotez's career. Yeah, I think so. And um, well, with that, Dr. Malone, thank you for your your time. Thank you for for coming home early and doing this. Um, and guys, if you're watching, thank you so much for watching. And uh, yeah, happy Father's Day. And uh, Dr. Hotez, I I doubt you'll you'll come on my show, but if you want to. You can come on here and talk with Dr. Malone. You guys can have a cordial conversation and I won't say a word during it. I'll try not to. And uh, I'd love to have you on, but I highly doubt that will happen. But Dr. Malone, thank you for coming on, sir. Happy Father's Day. Again, shout out to my old man. Happy Father's Day to everybody watching and listening. Happy Father's Day. And uh, yeah, man, thank you so much. Be good. Thank you, guys. Thank you for watching. Take care, everybody.